you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus, again in chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, which we spoke about this morning, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful again for the Word of God, and we just ask you to lead us now. And help us to draw nearer to Thee. And Lord, we do want to thank You for these birthdays and these anniversaries. And just, I just thank You for the, these wonderful people of the creek, Lord. They're such a blessing. I love them. They're encouragement. And Lord, I just pray You would just continue to knit all of our hearts together uh, in Christ as we serve You. Lord, for Your glory, we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we talked about this morning what grace teaches us. It teaches us that we are under new ownership once we're born again uh, by the Spirit of the living God. It teaches us that we are under new management, uh, that we are to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. But this uh, evening, I'd like to talk about how grace teaches us that we should have a new expectation. There we'll find in verses 13 and 14 that Paul uh, changes gears and starts speaking of the rapture, starts speaking of the next thing on the prophetic timeline for the church of Jesus Christ. That is him coming to the clouds and calling his bride, calling the church. And so we are very uh, mindful of that. And, and, and I believe that he's going to teach us here something about what grace does in that. You know, we can't, we can't, apart from God's grace, expect the rapture to take place at any moment. It will not happen. It's not something that we can muster up daily. All right. Maybe it'll be today. All right. And it's something we make uh, in the human effort. No, it doesn't work that way. I want to tell you the way it works. It's something that God's grace produces in our life each and every day as we yield to it. It teaches us that Jesus is truly coming and that we should expect that. And as we yield ourselves to him as a new creature in Christ, that desire for his coming grows as well. Not that we can't enjoy this life that God has given us. It's a gift. Our church, our family, the events that are taking place in our life. We are. We ought to appreciate those things and enjoy them and give God the glory for them. But may it never, ever be a substitute of the true longing of our Savior. Of seeing Him face to face. Seeing Him as we look Him eye to eye and as we get to praise Him uh, in person, that is going to be a glorious moment that we should all be uh, longing for, every child of His. Now look here in our text, it says that this grace is teaching us, uh, uh, different things, but then verse 13, uh, through this grace, we're also looking uh, this grace produces a steadfast looking for the blessed hope. 
And it goes on to explain what the blessed hope is. It is the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is what we are expecting. That's what we are longing for, even tonight. The great preacher, F.B. Meyer, once asked D.L. Moody this question. And, boy, it reminds me as a pastor that I, too, need to be mindful of the Lord's coming. F.B. Meyer said to D.L. Moody, What is the secret of your success? This is what Moody replied. For many years, I have never given an address without the consciousness that the Lord may come before I am finished. And that is something God worked in his life. And what does that show to me? That shows that God's grace was very vibrant in the life of D.L. Moody. That he just had an expectancy. He had a hope that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And that too should be an expectancy of ours. There's a longing. And that's what that uh, looking for. Are we looking for the coming of the Lord tonight? I'm not talking about setting dates But I am talking about just simply longing to see our Savior face to face. This blessed hope. You know why I think it's such a blessed hope? I mentioned it this morning. We've talked about God saving us from the penalty of sin and God saving us from the power of sin. But I'm looking forward to the blessed hope that He's going to deliver us from the presence of sin. I can't hardly get my mind wrapped around that. The day that I will no longer struggle... With sinful desires. The day I'll no longer have a bad attitude. The day I'll no longer struggle with pride. The day I'll no longer battle with this sinful condition of mine. This sinful nature. The Adamic nature that's there. It will be gone. There will be no more battle. And I want to tell you that is a blessed hope. That is indeed uh, something that we can look forward to. Now one of the things... We need to see here, too, and I don't have a whole lot of time to go into it, but this this uh, expecting the Lord's coming does do a purifying work in our life. And it does, it ties directly, again, teaching us that there is a denying of worldly lust and, and ungodliness, as the, word, as the Word says, worldly lust, and, and also, uh, as we see there uh, in our text, worldly lust and ungodliness. Then it also says that we should live, things that we should have in our life, is soberness, uh, righteousness, and godliness in this present world. Living in the light of the coming of our Savior, it definitely will bring that purifying effect in our lives by His grace. Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And I think about it especially on a night like this. And I didn't plan it this way. That's the wonderful thing about expository preaching. You just preach as God gives liberty through the verses. Some take longer than others. But tonight, we, we had our, we're having our Lord's Supper tonight because normally we have it on our fifth Sunday. But because of missions, conference, or may have, been, may have been revival, we needed to move it. But do you know... The Lord, this ties directly into the Lord's coming because He did say to do these, to have, to remember His, uh, crucifixion, His sacrifice until He comes. And I, I just love the way the Lord works those things together. But listen to 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. 
for we shall see him as he is again. That's just glorious. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm not going to have any sin nature anymore. I'm going to be perfect in the sense of having no sin at all. Wow, that is going to be awesome. And uh, I hope we're looking forward to that. I hope we're going to be rejoicing in that. And that is something that the Bible teaches. Listen to Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. For our conversation, our conduct is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Get this, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Hey, are we looking for the coming tonight? Are we expecting it? Are we allowing that grace to work in our life to prepare us for his coming? You know, I think about we need to be working while we wait on the rapture. Some people want to go hide out and and wait around for it. And I do not believe that is the will of God. I believe that is contrary to the will of God. That defeats the purpose. We are to expect it, but we are to be working for the Lord while we have our time here on earth. A gardener for a large estate in northern Italy was conducting a visitor uh, through the castle. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Some of the most beautiful flowers and shrubs and different things set up that you'd ever seen in your life. And as they walked through this castle and the well-groomed grounds, uh, the visitor had lunch uh, there with the gardener and his wife. And he commended them for the beautiful job that they had done in keeping the place immaculate and so beautiful. And he asked about keeping the gardens. He said, by the way, when was the last time the owner was here? He thought it was an interesting question, and the guy replied, It was about ten years ago, the gardener replied. The visitor asked, Then why do you keep the gardens in such an immaculate, lovely manner? And the gardener replied, Because I'm expecting him to return. And the then next question was, Is he coming next week? The gardener replied, I don't know when he is coming, but I am expecting him Today. And that is the spirit that God's people need in expecting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way, church, the only way that that will take place is is for us to have that spirit to be expecting like that is by the grace of God. That's not something we muster up in our own human strength. It's God's grace having its perfect work in my heart as I yield to him. And in my new creation, that is what the Lord wants us to do. Look on here as it continues to define the blessedness of the Lord Jesus Christ and his appearing. Look at verse 14. It says, for who gave himself for us. Thank God we're going to remember that tonight as we uh, partake in communion together. Uh, Who gave himself for us on Calvary. That why? That he might redeem us. From all iniquity and to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I don't have time to go into all of these, but one of the things I think about being redeemed, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I was once a slave to sin. I served sin. 
you did too. And we were slaves to it. But God came and purchased us out of the slave market of sin. And we are now servants of the Most High God. He redeemed us for that. But then He says He purified us. He made us a peculiar people. People that have been saved by the grace of God. You know what you are? You're walking trophies of His grace. <laughs> you sure are. Listen, the, te- the, the context of this chapter, I'm telling you, Paul is hitting at one center point when he's talking about the grace of God. And when it comes to sharing the gospel, it is this. It is that the testimony of the believer is the utmost importance for the support of giving the gospel. All the testimony that you'll see through chapter 2 that we've read about, it was it, it, the, the testimony of the gospel hinges on the testimony of the believer, of the child of God. And it's so important. And I would say this, that the, the testimony of the believer is the backbone for the effectiveness of the gospel in our lost and dying world. If I don't have a testimony for Christ and I try to share the gospel, how effective do you think that's going to be? Not very effective. People are, are going to want to see that there's, there's been something that's happened in my life. That it's real. That it's made a change. And I believe that that's what he is teaching here. And he's talking about a peculiar people. Hey, don't ever, uh, don't ever uh, hesitate or be embarrassed about being peculiar. I really always, I I try to encourage our teens in that way too. I hope you teenagers, I hope you're never embarrassed about being different from the world. God has called you and saved you to be peculiar. And, and, and when I, when, and I believe the Bible talks about being peculiar, I don't mean that someone that isolates themselves and, and has no impact on the world. No, we need to have impact. We're talking about that on sharing Jesus without fear. But the fact of the matter is, it's okay to say no to sin, ladies and gentlemen. It, it is, there is something powerful about that when we deny that, un, that ungodliness and those worldly lusts. It magnifies the gospel. It magnifies the grace of God. And I'm telling you, we can be that for the glory of God. But then, notice what else this grace produces as we look for the coming of our Savior. Look there at the end of verse 14. It says, zealous of good works. A people who are filled with the zeal of God. You know what this means here, zealous of good works? It means being enthusiastic and eager, get this, about being right with God. I love that. I love, you know what, it encourages me as a believer. I love it, Brother Mike, don't you? And I love it when, when I see in other believers, it encourages me to do the same, when there is a tenderness to be right with God. When there is a sensitivity that, listen, we just need to be right with God. And, and that's what exactly it is saying here. And by the way, let me just say this. Uh, when we partake tonight, we do examine ourselves and make sure that our hearts are right with Him. But that's also, I, don't, I, I want you to, sometimes I take it for granted that everybody in church understands an invitation. But, you know, we have visitors, a lot of visitors coming now, uh, four or five different families uh, visiting our church. I don't know all their backgrounds, and maybe some of you may not be unsure of it, but that's why I believe an invitation 
at the end of a Bible message is biblical. Because what is that doing? That is giving an opportunity for the people of God to respond to be right with God. That is just an opportunity for us as a church to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be right with you. You have spoken to me through the word of God. Your spirit has spoken to me about an issue in my life. And Lord, I want to be zealous of good works. I want to make this right with you. And you do that. That's what grace produces. Oh, never lose your tenderness. Oh, to the, to the spirit of God and to the grace of God dealing with us about the sin in our lives. That's what the Lord wants us to do. And then I think about uh, a quote from Jim Elliott in regards of being zealous of good works. Uh, that, that, that brother who's in heaven, he's a hero of mine. He really is. He get hit at the, in his young 20s, going and giving his life to that tribe so that they might come to Christ. He's a hero of mine. And listen to his philosophy. This is, he journaled a lot, and I, I love reading his quotes. He said this, young, young twenties, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. That was the spirit of Jim Elliott, and I believe that is the spirit of Christ. That we are here, and God, by His grace, wants us to be excited about what God is doing in our church, in our families, around us. It's amazing to see God working. And I hope that excites us. I hope you won't lose your zeal, church. I hope you won't let the world be more excited about the worldly amusements than we are excited about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe that the Lord wants us to be excited. That doesn't always come out verbally, but it, a lot of times it comes through our actions. It comes through our demonstration of grace towards others. That's zealous of good works. But praise God, that is what the Lord expects. Are we looking for His coming tonight? Is it making any change in our lives? It will. Grace will work. And as we expect Him... It will have its perfect work. I don't have time to go into it, but there's another verse that talks about how it has a purifying effect in our lives. And tonight as we close and we think about the coming of our Lord and before we partake in the Lord's Supper, let's spend some time in prayer. Because, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says that we'll read tonight that we, every man ought to examine himself. And tonight, if you are a baptized, born-again believer. You've been scripturally baptized after your salvation. And as far as you know, between you and the Lord, you're wanting to walk with Him. I invite you to partake with us tonight. But you must do it with a clear conscience. Because condemnation will come from God on those that will partake of the, of the Lord's Supper flippantly. Or with, or with, or with sin in their hearts. So we're going to take this time in the quietness of, of the moment and just spend some time before the Lord asking Him to renew us and our expectation of Him coming and of purifying us as a peculiar people from worldly lust and ungodliness that we might be sober, righteous, and godly. Let's spend some time in prayer.